Hello, and welcome to Learn French Brooklyn, the podcast. For this third episode, we are talking with Anna Fitzpatrick. Anna runs a bi-weekly French film club and discusses classics as well as more contemporary titles every two weeks. Uh, you can find all the information on our Twitter account at BananaFits. Together, we talked about how language learning can be a way to open yourself to different things, as well as how one creates an online film club. So sit back, relax, and I hope you'll enjoy this discussion. Hi, Anna. Thank you for being here today. So let's start with the beginning. How did you get involved in the first place in learning French? Well, I'm Canadian. I grew up in Ottawa, which is the capital of Canada. And it's very close to the Quebec border. Uh, I knew a lot of friends in um, growing up that I went to school with in, uh, in Gatineau, which is a city in, in Quebec, right over the, the border. And Quebec is Canada's francophone province. Um, Ottawa, because it's the capital, is a very bilingual city. It's where our parliament is. A lot of, it's where all the government, uh, national government buildings are. So a lot of jobs require being bilingual. And neither of my parents spoke French, but they wanted my siblings and I to have that opportunity. So from grade four, I was put in a French immersion program uh, so that all my classes, except for one English class a day, was done in French. And I hated it. <laughs> When something's mandatory, I find you hate it, but it's also my science class, my history, all the other subjects were taught in French. And it felt like there was this barrier to understanding certain topics, but I continued in high school doing enough French courses, uh, French immersion courses. So not all my courses, but I did enough that were taught in French. And then in university, I moved to Toronto, went to a bilingual campus and figured might as well. And around high school and university, I learned that French can be so much more than what you learn in school. Uh, it is more than the passé composé and the trying to figure out the subjunctive, which would kill me. Um, and I haven't studied any grammar since graduating university, but I've used French at work. I worked at a children's bookstore and I was in charge of buying all the French books. And there's some beautiful books coming out of, of Paris, but also Quebec. And I uh, started to learn to love languages in general. Uh, so French was the first real language that I spoke outside of English. But when I got an iPhone and I learned about the app Duolingo, which at the time only had a few languages, but since then I've done a number of courses and I've actually, I wrote about Duolingo for the New York Times. Uh, you can find that if you search, I wrote about my love for that. And then that sort of inspired me to both reconsider my relationship with French and also consider the possibilities of studying other languages in general and the ways that they can open you up to people and cultures and film and literature and just thinking about it outside the classroom um, in different ways I can learn. So I imagine you traveled a few times to Quebec Um, well, I mean, traveling to Quebec, like you could walk to Quebec from downtown Ottawa. Ottawa is in the province of Ontario, uh, and each province has its own laws and rules. So the big thing in uh, when I went to high school is in Ontario, the drinking age is 19, and in Quebec, it is 18. So in high school, I wasn't a big partier, but the thing to do was students would walk over the bridge to get to Hull. 
which is in Quebec and uh, party there. And my prom was actually in Quebec, so you could legally drink. Um, and again, a lot of people near the border spoke English, but Ottawa was a two-hour bus ride to Montreal. Montreal's a beautiful city. I've traveled to Quebec City and other places on family trips a little bit further. I've been, I went to Paris for a couple of days in high school. So I would, I would love to go back and I would love to visit more French speaking places. And so what, what did you mean when you said, you said this very interesting thing, you, you mentioned that you, at some point you discovered that French was way more than just like grammar and conjugation. So I think in high school, when I was 16, 17 in that, I find it's the age for a lot of people when you start to really forge your own identity where you, and I mean, not, not for everyone, sometimes it happens earlier or later, but that was the time when I started to seek out more culture than, you know, what was just played on the radio or what was just playing at the movie theater every weekend. So that was also the time. One thing I don't know if young people can really appreciate today is, is the ease of access to information. And that sort of happened Um, I'm 31, I turned 31 last week, and I remember when my family switched from like dial-up internet to high speed where you could just go online, and I found film forums and message boards, and I would go to the library and look for movies that they would hear. Uh, I was actually in LiveJournal communities. LiveJournal was like a, a, I guess you would call it blogging or a diary site, but it was a good way to find about different art and literature and subcultures. Um, so I learned about uh, French New Wave from them. Then I would go to the public library and find these movies that you couldn't find at Blockbuster and watch them in my family basement. And I can't say that I understood all of them, but some of them were more narrative driven, um, but they were very different from the movies I had been exposed to that far. And I think there's this moment where you realize that there's a whole world out there beyond what you've been introduced to. And that world can be like cool and stylish, uh, which I've the movies that I didn't understand the Jean-Luc Godard stuff were, but they could also speak to you on a level that maybe the art, the stuff you've been consuming thus far haven't been speaking to you, which for me, that was more Truffaut and, and other films, not just French films that I saw at that moment. And then, so when I turned 18, I moved to Toronto and two really great things that happened were one, I had access to the university library, which is even more expansive and than the, the Ottawa Public Library. Um, and you can find so many niche art films. Um, but also just living in Toronto, like TIFF is here, the Toronto National Film Fest. They have a year-round Cinematheque that they uh, show movies, independent, international, classic. And they show a lot of French films and Italian and uh, Japanese and other languages that I've tried to study. I feel very privileged that I can, before the pandemic, I could see so many movies at all the... There's the Royal, there's the Revue, there's the Paradise Cinema. God, I miss them all so much. But yeah, no, I actually was able to introduce a Godard film, Infemme et Infemme, at uh, TIFF a couple of summers ago. They invited me to speak about it and introduce it, which was such a nice privilege because that was actually the first Godard movie I had watched ever in high school. And not only did I get to introduce it, I got to see it on the big screen and see it in a context that wasn't afforded to me in high school when I was just watching what I could on a small TV downstairs. Yeah, and I was, I was going to ask, because you mentioned Truffaut and, and Godard, but and, any like 
foreign films from that time where you watch like from videotapes that made a long lasting impression on you? I think the 400 blows was impactful just because it was, that's when I was able to see in theaters. When I was in high school, they played it at the, uh, the Bytown Cinema in downtown Ottawa, which has unfortunately since shut down uh, during the pandemic. And I do think there's a huge difference between uh, seeing a movie in theaters and, and seeing it at home, even though I am grateful for the access. Um, I mean, like I said, Feminine Femme, Femme, Woman is a Woman was the first that I saw. And I think stylistically, it just embedded itself in my brain. Um, I remember, I mean, I, I watched my exposure started with both the most iconic films, but also the ones that were just available at the uh, the, the library. So I remember I saw Truffaut's Day for Night, which was not really new wave. It came a little bit later, but it's a movie about movies. And that just hearing directors talk about how much they love filmmaking, I find that can be really infectious. Uh, and that can kind of be a baseline for going out and seeking more movies. But yeah, I loved the Anna Karina and Jean-Luc Godard collabs. Uh, when they were married, they made a bunch of movies together in the 60s. And when I was doing this film series for Duolingo, so the way it works is every two weeks, we watch a movie, like you watch a movie on your own time. All the movies are available on the Criterion channel, which is a streaming platform uh, that launched two years ago. And then we discuss it in French for 45 minutes. My challenge has been to not just do... French New Wave movies, because there's, you know, a huge scope of, of French film that preceded and, and followed it. But to finish answering your question, one director that I didn't watch so much in high school, but was introduced to while I had access to all the, um, the film collection at York University, which is where I went to, to university, um, was Agnes Varda, who is obviously super famous and super influential, but was not one that was immediately accessible to me in high school. And I think, you know, Cleo from Five to Seven, which I've seen a few times, just stylistically, like the way it was shot in real time and the look of it and the use of it starts in, in color, but then shifts to black and white really, really abruptly. And it has a film within a film starring Anna Karina, but also thematically, just how small it was in its scope. It was just, you know, two hours or not even an hour and 40 minutes in the life of this, this woman uh, following her errands, but how ambitious it was in the anxieties that I wanted to explore about living in existentialism and this dread um, I thought was, yeah, just a, just a really beautiful, all-encompassing movie that I felt that I both enjoyed stylistically, but also understood in a way that I didn't always understand the movies I watched in high school. When I went to Paris, I was 16 um, with my family. It was like a family vacation and we spent three days in Paris. And it's such a different experience. I don't even know if I had seen any like real French film before then to me, like, French film was like Moulin Rouge with Nicole Kidman because it takes place there. But like that was at the time. Um, and it's just such a different experience when you are basically a kid and going with your family. And it was very much like, oh, now we're going to the Louvre and now we're going to the Eiffel Tower. And I'm very grateful. Like I'm very fortunate and privileged that I was able to take that that trip and, and lucky. But I think as an adult traveling alone, it's such a different experience. And 
the France, the Paris that I saw when I was 16, I don't think was really Vara's or Godard's or Truffaut's or Renoir's or their, their Paris. Um, and I think that what's so beautiful about cinema is that I don't know when I'm going to be back in Paris, um, just because even when there's not a pandemic, travel is expensive and, and complicated, but it is really lovely to be able to see so many different visions of Paris through film, both French wave and, and, and contemporary and classic. And so I was, I was wondering if that like film club, um, do you look at films from like a film and culture perspective or is there like a language aspect to it as well? Um, I wanted to do a French film club for a few reasons. Um, First of all, I feel comfortable speaking French in a way I don't other languages. So like I would love to go to an Italian film club if someone wanted to, to host those. But um, I felt like I was comfortable enough that I could facilitate discussion. It's also, I wanted to motivate myself to watch movies and to branch out um, to, to see more movies than just the, like I said, the few favorites that I would revisit. And it had been increasingly hard to do that when I wasn't going to theaters all the time. I find watching stuff at home, especially subtitled, even if I can understand the language, I can get distracted very easily. And I like the idea of like being held accountable to this group. And so the film discussion club, it is designed to be like intermediate speakers and above, although I do say everyone is welcome if you want to listen. And thankfully there are enough conversational speakers who do come. Um, and then I try to post a few links to essays and criticism um, in the chat or like have a few discussion topics ready. And I would like to, one, one goal I would like to start is to have a separate um, blog or website where I can just put all these links because you're limited in what you can post on the Duolingo events page. Um, I can also post this interview and then the goal is everyone is welcome. So there are some people who love French film and who have very strong opinions. And some people who are there as French learners who might not know film theory or history. We introduce, we discuss the group. We just, I introduce the film to the group and I try to give a little bit of context, which is usually a lot of times stuff I'm learning about for the first time. So like who the director is, when they made this, what the context was, what the critical reception was. And then I ask people for the first impressions and some people are brutally honest. They'll say if they think it's boring or they, they'll say they don't like it. And then I try to put people in breakout groups where they can discuss it as, so Zoom lets you do smaller, smaller rooms. Um, and then we come back and I ask people what the discussions were and maybe I'll have a prompt question. And then if there's enough time, like I like to mix up the rooms so people have a chance to meet each other. And what has been really nice is that there are people who come because they're learning French casually or for work or for whatever reason. And I have people who say like, I've never watched movies like this, or I didn't think that I would like this movie, but it's really interesting and didn't have more movies like this. And so we have someone who's been coming who, who got really into like Pickpocket and the Samurai and the Elevator to the Gallows and the Noir, the cool types. And we have people who really like the more contemporary ones I think the fact that it's such a casual space and that I try to make it so that people are comfortable, like if they don't like the movie, that's fine. And I, I try to give people space to suggest movies. Um, they have a feedback form after. 
I'm, I'm open to all that. And a lot of these movies I'm seeing for the first time too. I mean, I've picked some movies that I watched. I was like, yeah, that was all right. But like, and then I've picked some of my, my favorites. Um, I've, and up until recently, I was trying to do 50% women directors like every other week. Although I've, I've also been trying very hard not to repeat directors. So sometimes because there's limited options, I've, I've been doing men a few weeks in a row. It's a really good group. We have a lot of regulars. We have new people every week. I hope people don't get intimidated because I've never studied film. I've never, there's so much I don't know. There's so many classics I haven't seen. And I, I try to use this as an opportunity to just encourage people to be to be curious and to think about language learning as a way to open yourself to different things the way that I hope that I'm opening myself to different different things. Yeah, because I thought it was really cool because like in, in three weeks, you have Jean Renoir's uh, Rule of the Game. And then the following session is uh, Mamad Saleh Arun's uh, Season mm-hmm. of Friends, which is a very contemporary movie. And also at the beginning, I was trying not to do obvious movies by directors. So when we did Agnes Varda, the second or third week we did One Sings, The Other Doesn't, um, because mm-hmm. I assumed that people coming to this would have seen Cleo from five to seven. And when we did Chantal Ackerman, we did Golden 80s. Now that we've been going for so long, I am starting to do some of the more iconic ones. Like we're doing Diabolique because I realized I've never seen Diabolique, even though I've seen some of Clouzot's other films. And I'm like, I really should see Diabolique. And and I would also, when I hopefully start a blog for this, I would like to keep an archive of all the movies we have seen together just to, to have them there. It's fun when I pick stuff I haven't seen. Like Diane Curry's uh, Peppermint Soda, I had never heard of, and that I found looking through the Criterion website, trying to find more movies by women. And yeah, I loved it. It's a great coming of age movie from the 60s. Not new wave, but adjacent to that. And like, I feel like a very good companion piece to like the 400 Blows. Visually striking. Real. She cast teenagers to play teenagers, which uh, um, really, add, like the same way that Truffaut did, um, which really adds a, an element of like pathos and, and realism to it. One week we did Louis Bunuel's The Phantom of Liberty. Uh, and he's not a French director, he's Spanish. Some of his most famous films are in Spanish, but I picked that movie, which I had seen before because I thought it was funny. And we were doing so many depressing existential movies that I just wanted this one. That, w- that was his most famous French movie, likely is, uh, is Belle de Jour, which is, like I give people a content warning. I'm like, you know, some of these movies have adult subject matter, Belle de Jour, I think a little bit more than others. The Phantom of Liberty, it almost, the way I have always described it is it almost feels like, like a Monty Python movie where it, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like one short, absurd vignette that goes to another. And it it's not really like joke filled, but it does have that very surreal, larger than life absurdity. So I thought it would be a, good way to mix it up and I also find it's like an easy movie to watch because it's so segmented you can like it's not like one long narrative um and that was the only week where I got complaints about that maybe the subject matter was a little bit too risque because I had forgotten that there are jokes or like bits about necrophilia or incest which are played so over the top and absurdly whereas like Belle du Jour is kind of played more straight which I didn't think it was going to be a problem. I some some other people did. Some other people loved it. They were like, "Where where can we watch more movies like this?" Like that was my attempt at picking a more accessible movie that wasn't a depressing 
bummer. <laughs> and, and I realized like, oh yeah, it's, it's filled with incest. Maybe that's not the most accessible movie in the world. There is a lot of really good French speaking cinema, Francophone cinema from outside of France that I would like to do more of. They're not all on uh, the Criterion channel. So that limits me. So like Maddie Diop, so she was an actress in, in Claire Denise's 35 Rums, but she also has made her own feature, Atlantics, which uh, takes place in Senegal. And that one's on Netflix. It's on the Criterion channel. Uh, Maimouni Ducouré, her movie Mignon Cuties. That's another one that's on Netflix. Um, and she's another Senegalese French filmmaker. So I think there's a lot of really exciting things happening in Senegalese film, especially with women directors that are unfortunately not on the Criterion channel yet. Because um, I think they... Netflix got all the distribution deals, but it is important for me to have more diverse films in terms of genre. Like I said, not all French new wave in terms of decade, in terms of gender, and then in terms of ethnicity. So like so far, we've watched a lot of movies by white guys just because that's what's available on the Criterion channel. But there is so much more to Francophone cinema that I would like to explore and would like to find a way to include that. Thank you once again, Anna, for joining us. You can find all the information for the film club on Twitter, on Anna's account, at Banana Fits. And I hope you'll get to discover many French-speaking movies.